0: It is now time for the beef market update with Ann Wasco of the Gateway Livestock Exchange. Ann, how are you doing today?
1: I am good, Sean. How are things on your end? Uh, they're good. We're we're we're
0: well. We're uh, we're dealing. just you know, honestly, Ann, it has been a it's been hard to watch these livestock markets the past three weeks, and mm-hmm. I you know you and I have talked lots. I just think about the producers trying to figure out what to do in all of these different protein sectors and markets and trying it, it, a lot of times we focus on trying to make the right decision. I think one of the things that is really weighing on people is trying to not make the wrong decision because the wrong decision in volatility like this and what we're dealing with right now in front of us as producers, the wrong decision could cost me a lot of money and, and, you know, potential equity and things like that, 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 that's the kind of stuff that's weighing on people here right now. And I'm sure you're hearing the same thing from producers.
1: Oh, for sure, the the volatility, and we've talked about that a lot, but it's been been so extreme from from day to day, and news story, and rumor to rumor, and all the rest of it. So, you know, we've had a couple of up days leading up to today. Today, as we speak, is down. Who know where? It, who knows where it ends? But I guess one thing to point out, you know, April live cattle. When when I last bought this today was were ninety two cents and. And of course, the cash trade that did happen in the U.S. Uh, so far has been at 105. so you've got a $13 basis and two and a half weeks uh, of the month to, to converge those two. So it's going to be interesting to, to watch and see how markets respond to, to the daily facts that are, and facts and rumors that are out there. Now,
0: for, for people that aren't following the live cattle future on a, on a daily basis, is that negative 13 uncommon uh, with two weeks to go? A a strong basis.
1: So you've got cash over futures, right? So that's a positive basis. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, that's extreme. That's extreme for sure.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, Any update on where cash is going to trade this week?
1: Well, like I say, early trade in the US was 105. That's kind of four to five bucks off of what we sold at the end of last week. Here in Alberta, we certainly are going to see lower prices again. Um not lots of uh lots of bids kicking around out there, but looking like uh probably, you know, two thirty eight on, on the draft basis. That's gonna be one hundred forty three ish possibly once we get all the numbers in. You know, it's a short week this week. So uh but that's gonna be another five to six lower off of where we traded live Our our cash market at last week. So, and I think Packers. What we're finding too, you know, this is a holiday week. Um, Packers are starting to get longer bought in in terms of their inventory as well. So, pressure on both the U.S. and uh, Western Canadian markets again this week. Is where does Easter
0: fit in the like? When I think of Easter, I don't think of it's it's a it's a big beef consumption. You know, that's more Memorial Day.
1: Oh, for sure, so the buying that would have happened for you know this time frame, which it tends to be more of your 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 hams kind of uh or certainly from a pork perspective um demand time frame, but a lot of that buying would have actually been going on even prior to when we started really talking about covid nineteen so uh certainly now that we've got post purchasing going on to refill these uh, retail stores after the big surge in uh, in uh, getting products. Uh, kind of moving through the system that so then now we'll start to see some more demand uh, kick in, I think for beef as we, like you say, head towards some warmer temperatures and uh, hopefully <laughs> warmer temperatures and, and moving along in the calendar a bit here.
0: We, we talked a lot in the last couple weeks about, you know, watching those those box beef the, the cuto value because you know that that's a bit of an indication on where we possibly are seeing uh, you know demand at the at the retail point what uh, what can you tell us there
1: well the same thing as we talked a couple of weeks ago you know, we had that big spike up as all the retail you know in buying was happening um, after all our uh, stay at home orders but since then, we've uh, continued to see this wholesale price um, settle back off again. So last night, the choice cutout in the U.S. was two twenty-two. That dropped five bucks from Tuesday, and of course, if you go back to where it was a, a week ago, that's ten dollars lower. So again, the markets now that we've kind of filled in that pipeline at the retail level, or are filling it in, the markets are now trying to figure out. Okay, that, and you've heard, you've had a lot of your interviews over the last uh, few days have been around this on various different commodities, but we're all looking at that structural demand change in terms of it's stopped at the food service level. That's, you know, basically very little going on there. And how do you reroute this product to retail, Um, which prior to this would have been kind of like a 50 50 mix. So that's the uh, kind of uh, where the industry is at right now in terms of uh, kind of redirecting that. Supply to, to meet that demand at retail, but it's um, it's coming away, uh, certainly come off at the food service level.
0: Yeah, and, and this has been one of the frustrating things. We we try to to diversify. The, the the supply chain, in terms of, you know, the, okay, this cut goes here, that goes there, and you, you want to have as many customers as possible. And so we have, you know, having diversity from a sales perspective is is good, no different than we try to have as many export customers as possible, not just relying on on one market. And I've, I've seen a few people out there criticizing, well, why can't Everything we were sending to, to the restaurant trade, why can't that just go to the grocery store? And, and sadly, it it's sort of it exposes a lack of understanding of, of the food value chain, and that's just, that's just not possible. We've attempted it, but yeah. it, it, it only so much can move over for a number of different reasons, packaging being one of them. It's just not as right. easy as it sounds, In.
1: No, and and I guess at the end of the day, the the supply chain has been built around the customers, right? And so, like you said, our export customers. And don't forget, Canadian beef um, historically has been about a 50% um, export market destination. So those markets, depending on the countries, uh, require different cuts. You know, you've got different uh, styles of cooking around the world and whatnot. So you've got that issue. And then, of course, at home, Retail versus food service, and and uh, one of your interviewers earlier this week made that comment. You know, size is one of it. You know, you're selling into um, a large food service uh, type customer versus now to go to retail with you know a small uh, packaging of that same type of product. So it's it's been a big shift, and is it be it is being a big shift in terms of our demand. Yeah, yeah. Like you know, I, I
0: love my McCain Super Fries, but I'm not buying a tote of them. <laughs> Costco's as big as you're going to get, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, a uh, lot of focus also uh, right now, of course, uh, the pinch point, the compounding issue of inventory and some of these proteins ha- has been what's going on at the processing sector. What are we seeing in terms of kill numbers in beef?
1: Well, good, good question, um, Sean. And I think you know, certainly here in Canada, we're going to be watching the data closely we've been running in canada at a very large um uh, slaughter cattle slaughter level up until now so far in 2020 um even last week we were still and again remember our data here in canada so the last data we just received would have been up to april the 4th um that same week versus the same week in 2019 was still up two percent so bed cattle slaughter yes our young cattle steer and heifer slaughter has been uh, pretty outstanding um even that that first week of april uh we processed uh just uh, over 53 and a half thousand head um smaller than the two huge weeks just before that but certainly way above any levels that we've ever done the first week of april for the last several years so we're going to watch that data closely we know there's going to be impact well first of all we've got a holiday week right in front of us so we know this week's kill will be smaller anyways but as we go forward in terms of um Uh, What packers are are doing in terms of trying to deal with social distancing at the plant, um, whether they've had some positive cases, you know, all those things are going to weigh on on the week to week numbers that we're going to see. So let's watch the data. Let's not get too hung up in um, in what uh, the rumor mill might be saying. Uh, But again, this is just the cattle story. There's a hog story as well. There's a poultry story. As you mentioned a minute ago, it's a protein story.
0: Yeah, and I, I think you know, we in Canada, we specifically in Western Canada, we focus a lot on you know the the Cargill and JBS plant here in Alberta because that's such a huge majority of our of our kill space. But I, I would think as well some of the some of these U.S. plants, uh, some of the challenges that they've had, it's just as impactful on on Canadian producers as well because we do have live cattle going south. We can't forget about that.
1: Well, and there's there's direct movement. That's one piece. But then the bigger piece is uh, and we talk about our border being integrated. Um, when we talk about cattle prices, they're integrated. So if uh, if there's trouble in the U.S. in terms of uh, capacity and issues going on, um, or vice versa in Canada, we're all going to feel uh, we're all going to feel that piece together. So uh, it is it is an integrated market in terms of cattle prices. And so we're going to have to be watching now what, what goes on in terms of actual um, processing um, strains or, or challenges that even our U.S. Uh, packers are going to be looking at. And, and
0: the biggest question, of course, that nobody knows the answer to, it's an it's area of great speculation, is we know we have demand destruction. We, we know we have uh, some economic numbers coming out that are not conducive to, hey, I want to go out and spend $150 on a tenderloin the demand equation of this and in, in the recovery post-COVID, uh, beef industry probably really cheering for a V-shaped recovery like the rest of us, uh, but we probably are more likely dealing with more of a longer U. Uh, we really don't have answers on what demand looks like here for the rest of 2020 at this point.
1: Well, we don't, but we're going, don't forget too, Sean, we're going into the second quarter from a seasonal perspective. This is when beef demand typically shines its best you know we're all staying at home um dusting off the barbecues get some warmer weather um occurring across the country and uh instead of just throwing uh uh, burgers and hot dogs on uh maybe let's uh let's throw a few steaks on to, to kind of sizzle that demand up a little bit
0: Hey, I've barbecued more in the last two weeks than, like, it, it's been almost uh, every other night kind of thing. And, and uh, you know, when, when you get the barbecue fired up, at least at our house, there's protein on it. So uh, it's a very good point that you make there. Hey, Ann, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, have yourself a great Easter, okay?
1: Okay, same to you and your family.